0: life. How awesome is that? We're going to come round to God's word now, and we're going to start our new sermon series together. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to come into the Bible and open up this together. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we are a people who you have created with inquisitive minds and with questions, and you have created us to look and to search and to discover for ourselves. So as we start our new sermon series together today, as we look at some of the big questions of life and faith, Lords, if we're watching this and we're a Christian, may we be encouraged, may we have tools to share our faith. And Lord God, if there's anyone who is watching this right now who doesn't know you, may today be a day where they find you for themselves, their questions might begin to be answered. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, like I said, we're starting our summer series together today. And over the course of the next few weeks, my hope and my heart is that we're going to begin to wrestle with some of the big challenges and some of the big questions that we might have when it comes to life and when it comes to faith and when it comes to those things which are maybe we have always grappled with. As human beings, you know, our natural inclination is to be inquisitive. That's why kids, when they're growing up, the most common question they tend to ask is why or how or what does that do? We are built as inquisitive people and we all have questions. But you know, sometimes when it comes to faith, sometimes people have this notion that we shouldn't ask questions that we shouldn't be inquisitive when it comes to God, that we should simply follow blindly, because after all, we shouldn't question, because God is beyond our understanding, so what is the point of asking questions anyway? And you know, whilst that might be true for some faith systems in the world that you need to believe and not ask questions and follow, otherwise you're out, actually, I don't think that could be further from the truth when it comes to Christianity. In fact, the Bible makes it very clear that as Christians, and as people, we should be people who question. We should be people who reason. In fact, Isaiah 1:18 says this. This is God speaking to his people. He says, come, let us reason together. In the book of Acts, we come across a group of people called the Bereans. And every time that they would hear the word of God preached, they would then go off and they would then study the scriptures for themselves and they would search to see if what they had heard was actually true and to see if what they heard was actually making sense. And even some of the most amazing people of the Bible had questions. During Jesus' earthly ministry, for example, there was a man called John the Baptist who was the man who paved the way for Jesus to come. And he did amazing things, and he found himself at one point put into prison unjustly and unfairly. Eventually, he lost his life in prison. But whilst he was in prison, he sent a message to Jesus, which was simply, Jesus, are you actually the one that we were supposed to be looking for? Or should we expect someone else? Jesus said of this man, of anyone born of a woman, there was none greater than John the Baptist. And even the greatest people had questions when it came to God. You see, a mature faith is a faith which has been wrestled with. A mature faith is a faith which has been reasoned with. A mature faith is a faith which has really, really grappled with all of the questions and all of the things that come from scripture when it comes to God. And with that in mind, over the next few weeks, we're going to be asking some big questions together. We're going to be looking at what proof there is of God. We're going to be asking about the validity of scripture. We're going to be talking about sin and forgiveness and what all that means and how that applies to our life. We're going to be looking at the notions of heaven and hell. So we're going to look at some of the big questions that we all face when it comes to faith. And I want to again encourage you this morning, right now, to be asking questions. One of the great things about this particular time where we can't be together, but we are together and we're online, is that we can actually be a little bit more interactive when we are listening to a sermon, can't we? You know, we have an online pastor who is looking after our Facebook and our YouTube feeds right now. Carl Smethurst is sitting there. And let me tell you, Carl is desperate to answer your questions this morning. So if you've got any questions when it comes to faith, stick them in the chat right now, and Carl will answer them, hopefully. Some... He might fudge it a little bit, but who knows? But ask him, talk, ask Carl questions, talk among yourselves because we want to be a people who really wrestle with faith so we can come out of it with a mature faith. My hope for this series is is twofold. That one, if you are not a Christian and you're watching this, you, you don't even know how you maybe have come across this stream this morning. Maybe someone has shared it or you've just stumbled across it. But if you're watching this and you're not a person of faith, My hope is that as we begin to ask these questions and wrestle with this stuff, you might come to a place where you say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus for myself. My second hope is that if you are watching this and you are a Christian, actually what will happen over the course of the next few weeks is that you'll get some tools in your armory to effectively share your faith with those in your family and those in your friends and those of your work colleagues who might ask you similar questions. Because here's the thing. If what we believe is real, if we believe what we believe is genuine, we cannot afford to keep this stuff to ourselves. We cannot afford to be secret Christians who just gather every so often on our computers online at the moment where no one else sees. We have to be a people who are willing to be bold and to take the good news of Jesus to every person that we come into contact with. If we believe what we believe is true, we have to be a people who share this message. And with that in mind, I want to kick off this series today by asking the question quite simply, God, if you're there, why don't you just prove it? It's a question, I guess, if we're honest, we've all asked ourselves in the past, isn't it? God, just please, just make it really, really obvious. And then I'll follow you and I'll do everything that you call me to do. Just write it in the sky for me. And then I'm yours. I'm absolutely yours. I won't ever doubt again. I'll do everything you ask me to do. And if you've been with us in the past few weeks, you would have seen this question asked in various different forms and various different guises. Last week, for instance, when we finished our sermon series called I Am Jesus, we saw Jesus speaking to a crowd. And they basically asked this question, don't they? They asked Jesus for signs and wonders in order to prove who he said he was. The week before, we saw the disciples of Jesus facing a crisis which was coming up. And when they were facing this crisis, they said to Jesus, Jesus, show us the father. And that will be enough for us. Basically, they're asking the question, God, if you're there, why don't you just prove it to us? Then we'll follow you. A hundred percent, we are all in. And you know, the amazing thing about the Christian faith is that God has revealed himself and he has proved himself, and he goes on revealing himself, and he goes on proving himself. And the number one way that he does that is through the person of Jesus. You see, when Jesus answered that question, show us the Father, and that'll be enough, what did he say? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And we read in other parts of scripture, these words in Colossians 1.15, for example, that he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. We Read in the book of Hebrews, for example, these words too. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful words. After he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesties in heaven. You see, the God that we worship is not a God who is far away. He's not a God who is distant. He's not a God who kind of just turned the world like a clockwork and then left it to tick away and get on with itself. But the God that we worship and the God that we're talking about today came in the form of Jesus. He took on the form of a servant. He made himself like one of us. And Jesus lived a perfect life. He spent time helping people. He spent time... uh, looking after people. He spent time loving people. He spent time pointing people towards God. And what happens is that he ends up being despised, he ends up being arrested, he ends up being mocked, and he ends up being executed. Something doesn't add up there, does it? Because you don't do that to a person who lives a good life. In fact, those who seem to live a good life by worldly standards are often held in high regard, aren't they? Take people like Mother Teresa, for example, or Princess Diana. You'll be hard-pressed to find many people who have a bad word to say about people like that. Why? Because they devoted a lot of their life to charity work and to helping other people. So when people think about these people, they think about them in a way and think, wow, weren't they amazing, weren't they brilliant? And yet, what we see from Scripture is that Jesus goes around helping people, loving people, healing people and doing generally good to those he comes into contact with and what happens? He gets arrested, he gets beaten, he gets mocked and he gets executed. Why? Well it wasn't actually because of the things that Jesus did which ended up seeing him on the cross. It was actually because of the things that he said because when he went around doing all these things he also claimed that he was God's Himself. He claimed to be the one who had the power to forgive sins. He claimed to be the one who was the only way to God. And people heard him speaking this kind of thing out and they said, This is utter blasphemy. We need this guy off the scene. He is claiming to be God. He cannot live anymore. How does God prove himself? Through Jesus. Number one, Jesus claimed to be God. But surely anyone can claim to be God, can't they? I hear you ask. Well, Yes, anyone could claim to be God. Just because you claim something doesn't mean it's true. I'll claim to be the greatest footballer who ever lived, but I can say that as many times as I like. It doesn't make that fact true. And, you know, many people have claimed to be God, haven't they? Over the past and throughout history, people have claimed to be God. And some have got themselves a few followers along the way, often to disastrous consequences, Just because you claim to be God doesn't make it true. So what makes Jesus different? Well, Jesus didn't merely claim to be God. He backed it up as well with his actions. Let me give you an example. On one occasion, Jesus was out with his friends one night and they were on a boat. Jesus was a little bit tired, so he decides to go and have a sleep at the back of the boat. And his friends who are experienced fishermen, they're on their night watch and they're making sure the boat doesn't crash. And all of a sudden, the winds and the waves come up and they find themselves in the midst of a storm. Now, these are experienced fishermen, and they find themselves in the midst of this storm, and they are so worried, they think they're going to die. So they go to the back of the boat, they wake Jesus up, and they say, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to die? Look at the weather. And Jesus gets up, and he goes to the front of the boat, and he holds up his hand, and he says, be still. And when Jesus speaks... The winds and the waves died down, and it becomes like a mill pond. It was as if there was never a storm at all. And at this point, his followers are even more scared than they were before. They could not believe what they had just witnessed. And they start to ask the question who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? But this wasn't just a one-time act for Jesus. He wasn't just a one-trick pony. He raised the little girl from the dead. He brought uh, the lepers back to being cleansed and back to full health. He gave people their sight back. he done amazing, amazing things. And when he was killed, he was raised three days later. Jesus didn't merely just say he was God, He proved it by his actions. That's all very well you might say. But all the evidence that you've given us so far up until this point has come from the Bible. That can't be enough evidence to prove that Jesus was who he was, can it? That doesn't even prove, really, that he actually existed. Well, you know, there is evidence outside of Scripture to prove that this man, Jesus, existed and walked through this earth, as the Bible says he did, and did the things that he said he did. Let me give you a couple of examples this morning, for example. Um, There was a man called Josephus who was a Jewish historian, and he wrote these words about Jesus. About this time there lived Jesus, a wise man. If indeed one ought to call him a man, For he wrought surprising feats. He was the Christ. When Pilate condemned him to be crucified, those who had come to love him did not give up, their affection for him. On the third day, he appeared restored to life and the tribe of Christians has not disappeared. Then, another example, there was a Roman governor called Pliny who wrote these words about the followers of Jesus. They were in the habit of meeting on a certain fixed day before it was light, where they sung in alternate verses a hymn to Christ as to a God and bound themselves by a solemn oath not to any wicked deeds, but never to commit any fraud, theft, adultery, never to falsify their words, nor deny a claim, uh, nor deny trust when they should be called upon to deliver it. After which it was their custom to separate and then to reassemble, to partake in food, but food of an ordinary, innocent kind. Jesus was a real person who lived in a real time in history and claimed to be God. And people who saw him and saw what he did and saw how he acted were amazed and backed up his claims with their own words. And as a result, just like those disciples who were on that boat that night, who saw Jesus calm the storms, and then they asked that question, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? You and I have the same question that we're confronted with today. Who is this man, Jesus? We have to answer that question for ourselves. C.S. Lewis said that we can answer that question in three possible ways. That we can come to the conclusion that number one, that this Jesus was mad, that he was a little bit crazy, that he had delusions of grandeur, but he was quite a charismatic fellow. So he got a few people to follow him along the way and back up his story. That's one possible solution for who Jesus was. Two, we can come to the conclusion that he was bad. Some people have said that Jesus was just a good teacher, that he said good things and he helped people to live a good life, and that is about all he was. But there's a problem there, isn't there? Because Jesus clearly claimed to be God. He claimed that he was the only way to heaven. He claimed that people should lay down things of this world and take up their cross and follow him. If Jesus taught that stuff and it wasn't true, Then he wasn't a good teacher. He was a con artist. And we should have nothing to do with him or his teaching today. But the third option that we can come to when we think about this man Jesus is that, in fact, he was who he says he was. And he is today who he says he is. That he is God. He is the exact representation of the Father, the image of the invisible God, as we read together in scripture earlier. And if that is the conclusion that we come to, then we have to take the words of Jesus and his claims seriously. Well, that's all very well, Luke, I hear you say. But the only proof that you have offered me so far is proof which happened thousands and thousands of years ago. What good is that to me today? How does that help me? How does that prove that God exists today and is interested in me? What evidence is there? Well, when Jesus walked this earth, one of the clearest evidences that he gave for who he was and his divinity was the way that he went around and transformed lives. He took people who were scorned by society, those who were prostitutes and tax collectors, those who were outcasts, those who would be considered the last, the least, and the lost, of today. And he turned their lives around so much so that they were barely recognisable from their old life to the point where a group of people who society really didn't have much time for and wouldn't touch, went on and turned the world upside down in Jesus' name and changed it forever. And let me tell you today, what he did back then, he is still doing today. There are 2.3 billion people in this world who claim that Jesus has changed their lives. There are 2.3 billion people in this world today who claim that Jesus has met with them and has given them a future and a hope and has forgiven their sins and turned their lives around. People from all different backgrounds, people from all different walks of life, people from all different demographics and all different countries. Jesus has met and changed their life. People who may have found themselves at some point in the depths of despair. They've met Jesus and been totally and utterly transformed. People who maybe were addicted to all kinds of drugs and all kinds of crimes and have done some really, really horrendous things, have met with Jesus and had their lives changed. The proof that Jesus exists is that he came to this earth and he claimed to be God. He backed up his claim by impacting people's lives and changing and transforming the way people live. And what he did back then, he is still doing today. How do I know that's true? Because what he did for others, he did for me. At the age of 14 years old, I gave my life to Jesus. And he gave me a life full of meaning, a life full of purpose, and a life full of hope. He gave my life direction, which it never would have had. And as a result, he sent me on the best adventure that I could ever, ever have gone on. It's not been easy on the way. There's been times of great pain and great heartache. But I can honestly say as I stand here today that I would not change it. And what God did for me, and what God did for 2.3 billion other people in this world today. And what God has done for countless people throughout history. He can do for you too. The best proof that I believe that God exists comes with one more question. God, if you're there, will you reveal yourself to me? Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. We also read these words of Jesus in the book of Revelation, chapter three, and verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. If you want to know the existence of God for yourself, the best thing you can do today is to ask him to reveal himself to you. Simply pray right now, God, if you are there, will you reveal yourself to me? And I can tell you, if you are genuinely seeking for yourself and you genuinely want to know the answer to that question, you will not be disappointed. Jesus can meet you where you are at and change your life if you just ask him. If God is really there, Why doesn't he just prove it? Well, I would say this morning that he has. Absolutely, he has. He came in the form of Jesus. Someone once said that Jesus is God with skin on. He claimed to be God and he backed it up with his actions, changed millions and billions of people's lives who followed him. And what he's done all through history, he is still doing today. So as I close this message this morning, I wanna leave you with one final question, that question that the, the disciples asked when they saw Jesus perform miracles. Who is this man? How will you answer that question, I wonder, today? What will you do with this Jesus? Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you and praise you that you are a God who is real, that you are a God who constantly proves yourself. You are a God who changes lives and you are a God who meets people where they're at. And today, I wanna pray for anyone who is watching this stream on either Facebook or YouTube. May today be a day where they ask that question for themselves and they find you for themselves. And Lord, as the bands come back up and they begin to lead us in worship today, as we sing songs, together right now, may we get a sense of your presence with us. Will you have your way in our midst? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to hand back over to the band, and I want to encourage you as we sing and we worship, if you've got anything you believe God's saying to you, do write it in the comments of either Facebook or YouTube. We would love to hear what you believe God is saying to you at this stage, and I would love to be able to share that wider as well. So we'll be watching the comments and we will be um, just keeping an eye and seeing what God is saying to people. And if you are watching this and you don't know Jesus, I wanna encourage you to pray that prayer, asking God to reveal himself to you. Let's worship God together.